Good morning. He is risen. Well, oh, you didn't forget. Wow, that's cool. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew, and we'll review just a little bit and tell you what we're going to do this week, and we'll go from there. Since he has risen, what now? <laughs> what now? Since he has, what now? What are we going to do now that he has risen? He's risen indeed, right? Okay. What are we going to do? Are we going to just wait to next Resurrection Sunday to put into operation some of the things of, uh, that we've learned from Resurrection? Are we going to end the Passion? Because last week we talked about his passion or his suffering, and we said that um, we need to make sure that we are faithful and not betray him like Judas did. We need to uh, stand up for him and not deny him like Peter did. We need to watch and pray like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and we told you that you need to also teach your children how to watch and pray need to t- teach your children how to get that word in them so they can pray the word, so they'll be very conscious of the word. And we had some of the parents to demonstrate some of the things they were doing with their children. We said that you need to trust yourself to him who judges righteously because Jesus was treated very uh, uh, badly. I mean, he was treated terribly. He was spit on. He was uh, beat. He, uh, it was terrible. But he, he submitted himself Trusted himself to him who judges righteously. And we know that you uh, are going to be, if you haven't already been, treated unjustly. You're going to have to learn to uh, submit yourself to him who judges righteously. And not take vengeance on your own. Because sometimes we do that. We said also that we need to receive the salvation and the healing that God has already paid for. That was was last week's message. Now today, I want to leave you with a beginning of four things. Four things. And the reason why we're still on the uh, Easter series is because we said that Easter should be 365 days out of the year. It should not be just one little week, little one Sunday, and then we'll go right back to uh, just doing what we've been doing. This is a great occasion. Everything, everything, and all that we are, rise on that Easter. If he didn't, if he didn't rise again, then we not either. Since he did, we will too. So everything is in on that. So we're going to talk about two today. We're going to talk about knowing the will of God for your life. And number two, being faithful to that. And they'll be mixed in together. Then next week we will hope to God willing to talk about the third thing and then the next week the fourth thing that we can gain from the resurrection and kind of glean from it and keep it going the whole time. Because I'm excited about uh, not letting Easter be one of those situations again uh, that it was just another message, just another year, uh, and 
I don't want that to be in your life, nor do I want it in my life or my family's life. You must know God's will for your life generally and specifically. Two, two things. And you must be faithful to that. Now, when I say faithful to that, means to do what you know to do. Because it was a word in Matthew, Matthew spoke, uh, probably Matthew 7, 24, 25, 26, and 27. He spoke a word that uh, whosoever, therefore whosoever, hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, shall be likened to a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not because it was founded on the rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, and he says, doeth them not, shall be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the same rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So it was nothing wrong with the house at all. It might have been a mansion. It might have been, you know, your ideal place. The emphasis is not on their house. The emphasis is on the foundation of the house. And the foundation is doing the word of God. Versus not doing the word of God. And he says that, of course, if you do it, it's going to be on the rock. Your house. And so, therefore, when I say be faithful to it, to, your, to what God has placed in you, to, to what your specific uh, call is from God, as well as your general call, then you need to do it. So let's start there. We're going to emphasize a little bit generally and specifically, what is that will? What is that will? See, too many times I think we think on the specific call that God has on our life, a specific will. It's, it's in us, it's like a, they call it a motivational gift or a, a, a desire that we have inside of us. And, and let's take me, for instance, uh, I have a, it just so happened I just have a desire to teach the word of God. I've, I had that desire before I got saved. Really. But I couldn't teach it because I didn't know it. So I got a pastor to come over my house, and we had a small group <laughs> in my house uh, with other teachers, and we had a pastor teaching the word of God. We had a home group, you know. Then when I got saved... I said, you know, there, I started learning the word. I said, I, I, never, I never heard this before. I never knew the Bible before. You see, I grew up in, in, in a, a type of church that they did great preaching. I mean, I, you know, it was great. I mean, it was, he was into it, you know. But the only problem was that I didn't understand and couldn't walk out anything because it was nothing for me to learn. It was just a verse or two. And it was a, you know, preaching, dissertation on it, expounding on it. So I said, you know, when I came to this church right here, it was weird, number one, uh, because uh, they raised their hands. They, uh, they had an overhead projector back 25 years ago. And, and I said, this is crazy. You know, uh, you know, I'm used to songbooks. I'm used to choirs, you know. Uh, 
singing a hymn or two, sitting down, you know, sit down. Don't be standing me up no half an hour, you know, sit me down, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and so that, that's the way I was, you know. And I, but, I, but when the, when the pastor came out and started teaching the word of God, Open it to the scripture, he said, now this means this right here, and this is what God is asking us to do. I said, man, this is good, you know. And so I can go back home, I can turn that scripture, I can start seeing where those things be so. And I said, I said, whenever this is where I want to, want to come to church, but I want to come just to hear the word. I don't want to come to hear no music. I don't want to come hear any of that, stand up all this long time. Uh, and I always, always guests get behind somebody. I'm telling you, guests get behind somebody that is I mean, on fire for God, you know, they'd be raising their hand. Woo. You know, they'd be doing. And I said, oh, my goodness gracious. Don't put me aside. Don't put me aside. Nobody like that. You know, I don't want to be like that. I'm not going to raise my hand. Minerva, you know, she said, I don't think nobody care about you raising your hand. You know, so I said, OK. So I, I, I've been here this church ever since. Matter of fact, I got saved in this church. You know, uh, it was a different name at that time. But when we changed pastors, we changed the name of the church to Cornerstone. So I've been here and. I say, you know, God, I have that desire in me. But see, God told me and showed me that you have to know my general will for your life, not just my specific will. Because all of you have desires. You might have a desire to serve in the, you know, kids. You might have a desire to uh, sing. You might have a desire to do different things, you know. Uh, but that's not all of it. You're not going to reach your specific fulfillment of what God has for you totally until you understand and walk in his general calling on your life. Believe me what I'm, what I'm saying now. Believe me. He's not going to give you all that he has for you specifically if you won't do what he asks you to do generally. Because his general will is his will also and his desire for you. So I want to go to Matthew and let's start there. Let's look in, um, probably start in verse 1. We'll start there and then we'll go around a little bit, skip a little bit. And I know you all are waiting to get, for me to get back to Acts because I'm going to teach through the book of Acts too. Also, and that'll be after this series. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his, his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Now, to me, that tells me that he knew he was going to be going to the cross. Let's look in verse 6, at verse 6 to 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial and a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head, and he reclined at the table, as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why is this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare 
made for burial. And that's important. So he knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to uh, be buried. And verse 31, let's look there. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is, it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. So Jesus knew specifically that he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be buried. He knew he was going to rise again. Is that correct? He knew that. Specifically, he knew God's will for his life. And matter of fact, in Matthew 26, 42, it says, He went away again the second time. This is when he was praying to God and get sent My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, Thy will be done. Now, Jesus is just like anybody else, you know. Uh, if something can be done a different way, let's do it a different way because he's going to be separated from the Father. <laughs> you know, he's going to take on the sins of all of us, all the whole world, you know. I mean, this is going to be the first time he's been separated from his Father uh, like that. And if it could be done another way, he's for it. Nevertheless, he says, not my will, but your will, Lord. Can we really do that in a wine press? Which Gethsemane means. Can we do that when we are pressured? Can we do that when all the circumstances tell you that, hey, you need to not go that way. You need to do this right here. But the word of God is telling you, God has already told you what to do. He, plainly in the word, whether it be, he says that when someone curse you or speak, you know, speak bad about you, you bless them. Can you, when, when, when the going gets tough, when the going gets rough, when it gets right down to it, can you do that in the wine press? Because that's what he's asking us to do. We don't have to be crucified, uh, you know, for the sins of the world. It's already been done. But we're going to have to do things that we don't like to do. We're going to have to persevere in what God has called us to do, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what the economist says. We're going to have to stay with what God called us to do. That's very important because God is faithful. And we're not going to be like uh, Elimelech who took his family, Naomi, and his boys to another place just because it's a famine. No, we're going we're gonna to stay where we're supposed to stay, God, because I don't care if it's a famine or whether it's not a famine. You're going to be faithful to fulfill your purpose for our lives. They're going to stay like Boaz stayed and was blessed for it. Jesus knew the specific will. Now, let's look at the general will that he has, because I believe the general will is more important than the specific will. The general will, let's look at Luke chapter 2. Let's look in verse 41. All of you know the account. This is an account when um, they had come back from a feast, and uh, they were all in the caravan going, and and Jesus was... uh, 
they thought his mother and father thought he was with uh, maybe a relative somebody, but they find out, oh, Jesus is gone. Where is he? Where is he? And we know that he was in there with the, in the temple. He thought being about his father's business. So let's pick it up in 41. Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he came, became 12, he went up there according to this custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending a full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in a caravan. And when a day's journey, and then began to look for him along with their relatives, among the relatives and acquaintances, but couldn't find him. So they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, verse 48, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And another version say, be about my father's business. But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treated, treasured all these things in her heart. Now, Jesus, at the time, thought that time, the time has now come. I need to be about my father's business. I need to be about doing what he's called me to do. I'm 12, you know. I know the word of God, you know. And he knew the word of God now. He knew, he knew what he was supposed to do. He knew, why he, he knew why he was sent there. He knew why he was sent to the world. He knew he had to die for the sins of the world. And so he said, you know, I, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to be about my father's business, so look, why are you looking for me? You need to go on back home. I'm where I'm supposed, I'm where I'm supposed to be in the temple. But see, the general will, the general will of God is that be in subjection to your mother, children. Where is it found? Ephesians, of course it wasn't Ephesians then, but we know it's always in, 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 in the law, you know, honor your father and mother, right? It's in the law, one of the Ten Commandments. And it's expounded on in, in Ephesians. He knew that. He knew the law. Why did he, why did he go back with his mother and father? Because there's a higher law. You cannot disobey the general, the general, uh, uh, really, word of God, the desire of God, the will of God, the general will of God, by something specific. You say, wait a minute, now, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. I'm telling you. From Genesis to Revelation, God tells us what his will is. His general will for all Christians. Yes, he has a specific will for your life. 
but you won't walk in it if you don't obey the general will. I'm telling you. You won't walk in it to the fullness. Guarantee. I don't have to, I don't have to even think. I can say never, never, ever, ever would you walk in, uh, me either, walk in the, in the total what God has for me, me specifically if I violate general what God has said in his word. I can be successful. I can be successful with the world called success. But how much success did he really have for me? Nobody knows. You don't know? I don't know. He doesn't know. You don't know what God really has for you. You could be walking in partially of what God wants for you. And he has, oh, so much more. So much more. Another example. You remember a man by the name of Moses. You remember that he knew he was supposed to be a deliverer. Do you know that? So at the age of 40, he was going to be about delivering the children of Israel out of captivity. He's going to get, you know, I'm going to be the judge. I mean, I, you know, you can't be fighting among yourselves, man. What you, what you doing, you know? He ended up killing somebody. Now, is that the general will of God to kill somebody? No. The law says don't, don't, don't murder, you know? He murdered him. Killed him, you know? So he had to spend now 40 more years to get humility before he was able to now start walking in specifically what God has for him. And now when he was ready, when he was ready at 80, he didn't want to do it. And that's how most of the time it would be, you know, because you can't do it by yourself. If God has called you to do something, you cannot do it alone. If you can do it alone, it's not God. Okay? It's not God. Moses couldn't do it alone, knocking you. You see, yesterday, because uh, God didn't want uh, Aaron to go with Moses. He, he wanted him to go by himself. Look, let me tell you something. God sent Jethro uh, to let him know that, look, you can't be uh, judging a million people lined up all day long and all, all the time, every single day to judge everybody by yourself. That's not, you're going to wear yourself out and also the people, too. You got to choose other people who can help you do this thing. And, you, and you know, they bring the weight of your matters to you. That was the Lord. You say, can't do it alone. Can't do it alone. Nothing that God calls you to do can you do alone because it's too great. It's too great. Okay? We can do things in our own strength and don't need God. It's done all the time. But that's not what God's will is, and that's not his purpose, and you'll never fulfill what he totally has for you. Now, hear what I'm saying now, because it's very important. I see people violate this all the time. I've been in, I've been in, in this church for over 25 years now. I know I've seen people violate it and violate it and violate it and violate it, you know? And, and they have so much potential. I mean, oh, my goodness gracious, so much potential. I mean, gr- I mean great potential. And I've seen it also in other churches because of, when I say I've seen it, I've heard about it in other churches because I'm associated with a lot of other pastors, and they tell me the same thing. If they can just get people to obey what God says, but everybody wanted my ministry, you know, my desire, you know, uh, I think I need to be doing. God is not, God is not limited in, in wh- what he has for you and who he has to get you there. One time I said, this was years ago, 
and when I was uh, uh, a little bit foolish, uh, and, and I said, well, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but I don't think, God, that I'm going to ever be able to do this as long as this person and this person and this person right here, they're keeping me from doing what, God, what you called me to do. That's foolish. Isn't it foolish? It's got to be foolish if, if God is who God said he is. God is God. God can do anything he wants to do with whom he wants to do. I mean, he turns the heart of kings just like he turns the rivers of water. I mean, he, he can take an ungodly king and use that ungodly king and say, this is, this is my son. This is my, for my, he's, he's my man. He's going to fulfill my purpose. He'll do that to Cyrus or anybody else. He can harm anybody. Ask Nebuchadnezzar. He'll harm anybody, can he? Nobody can keep. The doors of God open, nobody can shut. You know what I'm I'm telling you. Let's look at Mark. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help us today with something that all of us, all of us go through daily. We have to make decisions. We have to make decisions. And I'm trying to say, do not make decisions that's going to violate the general will of God that's found in these pages from Genesis to Revelation. Don't violate it. For what you believe that God is saying. And we'll say that, well, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is leading me. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead anybody, doesn't lead anybody against this word of God. Because he testifies of Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. So, he, so he's not going to violate the word. So if you tell me, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, uh, God has called me to, to uh, do this, and I look at the word, and I say, well, wait a minute, what about this word? Well, that doesn't apply to me. God gave me specific directions, you know? Oh, man, oh, watch that now. Watch that, because we know that we know there are doctrines of demons. That's what the word says now. That's what the word says. See, I, I didn't learn that when I was growing up. My mama took me to church. I didn't learn all that because nobody taught all this stuff, you know? But I hear some good preaching, though, you know, and I'm telling you that you need the word of God. You need it so that you can go home and see whether those things be so. Get in the word yourself and see whether I'm, what I'm saying is so, because if I'm not telling you what the word says, don't listen. Don't listen. OK, because it's another opinion. Everybody has one. You know. OK, I'm only interested in what God says. Because he's the only one that's true. Forever. Eternally. The word is, I mean, the word is eternal. It's never going to go pass away. In Mark chapter 7, let's look at that because this is a biggie here right here. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 7, you'll see what I'm telling you about. Uh, let's look in verse 3 through 5. We're trying to help you now. We're trying to help. What are we trying to help you do? We're trying to help you gain something from Easter, Resurrection Sunday, gain something for it that you can walk out 365 days out of the year and not just go to another Easter service. That's what we're trying to get you to do. And you got to know that Jesus Christ, in his passion, during that time, he did the will of God regardless of circumstances. He did the will of God. You saw that he didn't violate the general will of God either by you know, going ahead of God, thinking that he was ready to do something. 
He didn't do that either. You saw where Moses got in trouble, knowing that oh, this was the specific will of God for my life. But you violating the general will, Moses. You know? Don't kill anybody. It's not good, you know? Not good. Okay, let's look at now verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there were many other things, many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, asking Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition, tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? Let's skip down to verse 9. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. And you hear what Jesus is telling them? You're setting aside the general will of God, the commandments, for your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. So he's quoting, of course, uh, one of the laws, of course, obey, honor your father and mother. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. That, that is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as this. Now let me ask you, if they understood the general will of God, which is to honor your father and mother. You see, the Pharisees, they, they, they love money, see? And they will get a pe- person to dedicate all their, their money to, the, to, the, to them, to the church, and say, well, you know, uh, this is exempt. You're exempt from the, from the rule, from the law, that you have to honor your father and mother. If they need anything, it's too, too, too bad because it belongs to the church. You're already dedicated to the church. And see... That, he's saying, that, that, that's a tradition of man. That's a tradition of man. You, you can't violate, you know, the word of God for that, you know. Now, we look at that and we said that, that the Pharisees were, were really foolish. They were, they were really ignorant. But don't you know we do the same thing today? In, in a, but a different way. We sometimes have, have desires or traditions and we'll violate the general will of God to fulfill what general people do. And you, I want you to think about some of these general things that, that people do as Christians. Okay, as Christians now. We're talking about me, we're talking about you. Because the messages that I get, they are for me first and then for you. I have to walk them out just like you. Okay? No one is exempt. Okay? So don't ever, ever think that I'm coming to, you know, if somebody in the congregation that he's talking to, no, no. God is talking to all of us. 
Because when we read the Bible, we can say, well, he's talking to me. Sure, he's talking to you, but he's talking to every single Christian that is, that is, that is, was living and will live. He's talking to everybody. Is that right? He's talking to everybody. He's, why is he telling us things, hard things? Because he loves us. He wants us to walk in the fullness of that which he's called us to. That's what he wants. His son walked in everything that, that, that he had for him. Now, see, if Jesus failed, then we have a right to fail. You know? But I figured that if, if Jesus could fulfill the will of the Father, why can't we fulfill the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit? Why can't we? We have God in us, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, why can't we fulfill the will of God? Why do we have to, you know, um, violate the will of God all the time and, and we, this sloppy agape that we do in, in Christianity, why do we have to do that, you know? And say, so, well, I understand, you know, we all sin, you know, and fall short of the glory of God, you know. Uh, we're all the same, you know. No, we're not going to wall around this stuff, no. No, no. Yeah, I might sin, but let, let me tell you, I need somebody to, I need somebody to tell me and say, hey, look, uh, look, let me encourage you, bro. Let me tell you, you got to, you got to stop that, you know. God has called us to a higher walk. I said, but you don't understand my situation, you know. You don't understand what's happening to me. If you walk a mile in my shoes, wait a minute, Jesus walked a mile in everybody's shoes, you know. He took sin of everybody, you know. Nobody has an excuse. We have the power of God. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Father. We have Jesus. And we have the brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're supposed to be encouraging one another daily. That's why we come to church. We, we come to get encouragement. We come to get built up so we can go out in the world and face the world and do what God has called us to do and not compromise. You know, that's what he's called us to do. You know, you don't want to be in a church that everybody's just about in sin and, and, and we just uh Glossing over it so that, you know, well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody, you know. They might leave, you know. Well, how many left Jesus? I mean, I mean we're, talking about, we're talking about passion now. We're talking, we're talking about uh, resurrection time. How many left him? All of them. Every single one of them. That I could read, you know. Some of them left him early, you know. When he started teaching some hard stuff, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, you know, I ain't do that, you know. So they, they, they left him, you know. Too hard, too hard. They want a nice message, you know. You know, tickle my, my feet, you know. Tickle my ears, you know. Come on, the devil's not going to tickle your ears, you know. He's going he gonna to pin them to, to your head, you know. I'm serious. The devil is merciless. He's merciless. I'm trying to help you in your marriages. I'm trying to help you with your children. I'm trying to help you in your, your, your jobs. I'm trying to help you in your business. I'm trying to help you, you know, in your relationships with your, uh, with your relatives, you know, your, your in-laws, your everybody. I'm trying to help you, you know, because I need help myself. And so we're in this thing together. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's a good, good one uh, because we say that, well... I have this gift that's not being used. Well, you do. Well, does God know you, you have this gift? <laughs> you know? Well, if he chooses not to use it right now, no, it's not God. It's the people in this church, you know. They, they're not allowing me to use my gift, you know. Use your gift, you know. 
Come on. Just obey the general rules of God, will you please? The general rule of God, the laws of God. And I guarantee you, you're going to walk in, the, in, in, your, in your specific will. I mean, I mean whew, you're, going to, uh, you're going to soar. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I had an opportunity with every pastor that's in this church, every single pastor in this church, uh, to uh, be mad with them. Every reason whatsoever to be mad, you know. Uh, now, I've been under one, two, three, four in this church, you know. And I'm, I, I was determined that, hey, look, you can, you can take the ministry you said uh, that I knew God called me to, because I was told one time, you can't teach anybody. Okay, fine, okay. Uh, God, they won't let me teach, you know. Shut up. You know. <laughs> no, he doesn't tell me to shut up. He said, be quiet, you know. But anyway, um, you know, I know what you, you just, just be patient. Just be patient, you know. And, you know, I was patient. And sooner or later, then I was allowed to do it again, you know. But, you, you know, you have to, you, what you have to do, you have to wait on God. You really do, you know. See, because it says it here to me, it says here, uh, let's look at verse 2 of First Corinthians 13. If I had the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I had all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And it goes on to tell me that on every single case. I don't care what kind of it is, you know, because he said love is patient. That means love is long-suffering. And you remember, long-suffering doesn't have to do with situations, does it? Long-suffering only can be long-suffering if it's dealing with a person that makes you suffer a long time. Do you hear what I'm saying? He says that love is long-suffering. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not brag. Love is not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. Oh, it does not seek its own. Ooh, that, now that's interesting. It's not provoked. Not provoked. Wow. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Whew. Let's wipe this out when we get home. Because it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't sit right with my flesh. How about yours? You know? We all, we, we, we want to, you know, man, I'm, I'm taking account when the wrong done to me. I'm, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to take account of it. You know? Write it down. Put a mark by their name. You know? No, God said don't do that. That's not love. See, God says I don't care what kind of gift you have. It really doesn't matter because if you don't have love, you can forget it. You forget it. Okay? So that means that God's general will for my life is to love. Regardless of how I'm treated, regardless of how you're treated, you're supposed to love. Is that correct? And love means that you need to put up with me how long? Long time. Right? That means you need to put up with each other a what? A long time. You said, well, I did it a long time, but they, they plucked my last nerve, so, not, you know, I can't do it no more, you know. No. When, 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 when he tells us, I'm through with you, I'm through with you, you're not, not my child any longer. I'm giving you to the devil again, you know. Then we can do that with each other. Until he does it with you and me, we need to do it with others. Is that correct? 
until he, as long as he's merciful, he says in his word, I think it's Malachi, maybe 3, 6, he says that, he says that, uh, for I am the Lord, I change not. We quote that a lot, don't we? But we don't quote the other part of it. The rest of that verse means it says that, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now what does it mean? He means that I'm so merciful, you know, because Malachi, Malachi, he was telling Malachi, you need to tell them they're offering blind sacrifice, they're doing all this kind of stuff, they, they're giving to governors, they won't even give to me. And, and he's saying, look, but I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed, you know. I'm, I'm going to be merciful to you. That's what he's saying. He was merciful to the children of Israel the 40 years they were walking around in the wilderness. In, and they, were, they had sinned. He said, you're not going into the promised land. You're going to die. You're going to die out here. All those who are 20 years old and above, you're going to die. But wasn't he still merciful? You know, he didn't say, look, the feet of you, you people who are 20 and above, it's going to swell, you know. But the rest of them not. None of their feet, you know, were swollen. None of them. None of their clothes wore out. He fed them all, didn't he? With manna. God is so good, isn't he? He's so good. Why is it that then the child of God, us, you know, can't be the same way? You know, we can. We can be the same way. You see? In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says that, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. What's the next three words? Is it up there? Know you that the Lord of God, he is God. Oh, it's only about four people can read. Okay. Let's, 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 let's try that again. Now, come on, man. God wants to be praised. This is his body. He said, I will praise you in the midst of the congregation. That's what he said. That's what he said. He, said he will do for the Father. Jesus said he'll do this. So in, in the midst of us, he said he wants to praise the Father. This is giving the Father some recognition, isn't it? That he's due, isn't it? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him to a, you know, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I mean a thousand generations, he said, I do this. I said, my goodness, gracious God. You mean, you mean even though I'm unfaithful, God, you will still be faithful? Yes, yes, yes. He can't deny himself, can he? Yeah. It says in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 2, 13, if we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful, for he cannot deny himself. We should be, we should be doing that to the people that we work with, our employees and, and our employers. It, it was a, I don't care if you are unfaithful to me, I'm going to still be faithful to you because I can't deny myself. When you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Spirit of God is inside of us, isn't he? Okay. Faithful has in it, uh, like permanency. It's spread throughout the word faithful, you know. Permanent, permanent, permanent. Webster says, it is firm adherence to promises, contracts, loyalty, Worthy of confidence. Isaiah 49, 7. Speaking of the Messiah. 
Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to the despised one, the one is capital one, abhorred by the nation, the servant capital S of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall also bow down because of the Lord who is what? Faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. God is calling us to faithfulness in every single area. In Luke 16, 10 to 13, it says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in also much. And who is, he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have been not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, when, when I read that a long time ago, I said to God, help me to be faithful to people that you put in my life for me to serve. Help me to be faithful, Lord. It's not about them. It's about you and me. That's what it's about. It's about me developing the character of Christ. That's what it's about. So therefore, when the going gets rough, when I've cried many times about the way I was treated, mistreated, I still had to come back to God, it's about you. It's not about me. You call me to do something, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful to finish. I'm so glad that my, my uh, brother-in-law, uh, my father and mother was married. Of course, you know that. Those have been here a long time. And so I was illegitimate. And so uh, my father wasn't involved in my life that much, uh, except on, for financial things like that and, and little things that he tried to teach me on uh, about twice a month. But uh, I didn't like him that much uh, because of the way that he was. But thank God that God used me to lead him to the Lord after I got saved. So praise God for that, you know. Uh, but my brother-in-law, I was, I was playing football in college. And the coach got mad at me because I fumbled. I fumbled twice. I, I, I was starting... Oh, uh, luckily, uh, one game, it was against an a, a opponent that was, who was inferior. That's why I was starting that game. And um, they, so I ran the ball, and, and the man pulled the ball out of my hand. You've seen them do that. You know, they, they tackle the ball rather than the person. And I fumbled. And, and then he, the next time we got the ball, we went back in. Fumbled again on the same play, you know. And he took me out, and he hollered at me. And I hollered back at him. You know, I didn't play since, you know, and, and, uh, and so I told my brother-in-law, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, you know, he's treating me mean, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's sitting on the bench, uh, and so my brother-in-law said, you never quit nothing, he said, you start it, and you, you finish it, you know, anybody can quit, <laughs> and so I stayed, and I'm so glad I stayed, because that has stuck with me in every single thing I've been doing. 
Every single thing I do. Because people tried to do so many things in my teaching career, coaching career, and things like that to run me off and stuff like that. You can't run me off. You can't run me off, you know. I mean, you can't. I mean, simple. simple. I mean, in church, you can't run me off, you know. You know, it's been tried, but you can't run me off. Because God put me here. You didn't put me here. Man didn't put me here. God put me here. If God put me here, and I'm talking about when I, when I, when I you know, I'm talking a long time ago. I wasn't no pastor. I was just, you know, just, you know, just a home group leader. I'm going to be here until you run me off, you know. You're going to have to run me off. Nobody's been able to do it yet, you know. But you know what? God rewards faithfulness. He rewards perseverance. The more they afflicted, the more they grew and multiplied. So you have to, you gotta, you gotta know that about society, about the job, about anything in your life, the more they afflict you, the more opportunities for growth and prosperity in your life. I'm telling you. God is so good. And I, I thank God that He has, He has given us some faithful, many faithful people in this body. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm excited about who is here. And who God is bringing here. That's what I'm excited about, you know. Some people get dis- discouraged about who's not here, you know. I'm not discouraged about who's not here. I'm excited about who's here, you know, and who God is bringing here. You know? I'm excited about that. Because as long as God's on the throne, we're, we're the majority. Do you hear what I'm saying? The devil can't do a thing. All he can do is roar like a lion. That's all he can do, a toothless lion, and act like he's going he gonna to eat us up, you know? And he can't eat nobody. He can't eat, eat, eat nobody, you know? And he's not going to eat you. We're not going to let him eat you, you know? Stay in the fold now. You know, don't be wandering off, you know? Don't be wandering, running off. Uh, you know, because if you try to wander off, we're going to send, you know, the sheepdog at you, you know? <laughs> and he roo, 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 get you right back in the pack, you know, get you right back because the wolf is out there. We want to keep you, keep it where, you, where you're supposed to be. Minerva was watching something uh, Sunday, one Sunday, and she said, and this man was talking about sheep, and, and he said that um, the shepherd uh, takes care of the sheep. The sheep sometimes will fall on his back, you know, will fall and roll over on his back, and the sheep can't get up. I never knew that about sheep. He said, yeah, the sheep's so big, you know. We got a little bit of legs. And when he rolls over and back, he can't get up, you know. <laughs> this was the man was saying, this is this minister on, on TV, you know. And I said, boy, that's interesting. He said, yeah. And the sheep would die if you leave him there. So the shepherd would get him and turn him back over and rub his legs and get his blood back, back in the little legs, stubby legs, you know. And uh, get, bring him on, you know. And I said, man, isn't that something? And that's why I guess God calls us like sheep, you know. And he's a good shepherd, isn't he? And so he takes care of us. And that's what our, our, you know, aim is to do, is to get involved in your life, to try to, you know, get with you all the time and try to uh, uh, help you move from where you are to more where God wants you to be. That's what we call discipleship. And, and you know, everybody don't want that. But I know that you do because you're here, because that's what we're all about. We're not about leaving you, leaving you sitting in a pew, sitting in a chair. We're not about that. You know, nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares who you are, you know? That's not, that's not Cornerstone. Cornerstone cares who you are. He, they care about what you're going through. Not on Sunday, 
Because everybody puts on a smile and face on Sunday, you know, until you get back in the car, you know. So we know that there are things going on because there are things going on in my life. There are things going on in everybody's life. We know that. So you, you have to be open to talking to us, you know, talking to us. When we call, how things going? Oh, things are going great. Oh, I'm highly favored, you know. Okay, now that you've, you know, uh, confessed the, what the word said, how is it doing? I'm doing so bad. Okay, fine. <laughs> Okay, what can we pray for you for? Okay, and we pray with you. You know, we're gonna work with you. And everybody who's been here in a length of time know that we're gonna do that with you. Uh, so, I'm excited about you. I'm excited about uh, a Resurrection Sunday. And next week we're gonna give you one more, which is these is four things. That I think that if you take these four things away, you're gonna be dangerous, more dangerous than you've ever been to the enemy. I'm serious. And you want to be dangerous now. You, you, you want him to say, hey, Peter, I know, you know, Jesus, I know, Zeta, I know, no people at Cornerstone, I know, but who are you? Right? That's what you want him to say. You don't want him to say, you know, Peter, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? You know, when you come and be praying for your situation, your family, your children, your business, your, you know, job, your employer. Come on, you want, to, you want God to hear from up high and answer you, don't you? Well, see, the devil doesn't want you to hear it. So he's going to be accusing you. And so, you know, we're trying to teach you how to walk this walk, okay, rather than just talking a talk, because we're not interested in just talking a talk, are we? Okay, praise God. Stand to your feet. Now, I know we have chapter four to uh, review, but um, I know you can save it to next week, can't you? If you, if you really, 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 really got to just say something to the body about chapter 4, something to God, if, then tell Elder John. Uh, he, it'll be nice to him, Elder John. Okay, be nice to him. I want to send you out with a blessing today. Appreciate you coming to the house of the Lord, fellowshipping with us. Uh, Pastor and Minerva will be outside in the lobby. If you're visiting with us today, make sure you greet them and say hi to them. And uh, let me just pronounce a blessing over everyone here. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So go in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.